So uh, my name is Nick Anderson, and you're listening to the People Who Make Things Happen podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today, uh, Eric Nyman, uh, the president of Has- Hasbro North America. So Eric, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, first and foremost, it's great to be here at Nichols College. Thank you so much for the invitation, Nick. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's great to be here. Like I said, you know, um, I, I've been in business for a while. I've, uh, you know, I have the privilege today to be the president of Hasbro North America, right. where, you know, we're one of the world's leading play and entertainment companies. And, um, you know, we have a blast. It's a great place to work. We make some of the greatest products in the world for, um, you know, children and their families. And, um, it's a great privilege and one that I feel, you know, incredibly prideful to be part of. Right. So what, um, just going back a little bit, uh, what type of kid were you? <laughs> Because I think like it's super interesting knowing the origin stories of someone that's such a high performer like you um, and able to run a company like that, like Hasbro. Um, It it really is fascinating. So tell me a little bit about your childhood and and what you again, what you were like when you were a kid. (laughs) That's always a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, so I grew up on Cape Cod um, from in a small town, East Ham, Massachusetts. My parents... um, you know, were very loving. I had two younger sisters. My father was um, both a carpenter as well as a school teacher. He taught industrial arts as well. Okay. So, um, you know, so I grew up really as a blue collar kid and um, really learned the value of working with my hands. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I found, you know, I guess my passion today at a very young age, I literally used to make my own toys, um, okay. you know, which is really a fun experience. And I still laugh today, you know, when I um, when I go to my family home, and I still have you know some of the wooden trucks my parents saved from you wow. know, when I was five and six years old. That's and, incredible. You know, I used to make those wooden trucks and call them Tonka trucks. I used to make wooden lightsabers and uh, excuse me, wooden swords and call them lightsabers because you know I grew up in that generation of Star Wars aficionados and. Um, you know, it was a, you know, for me, I was a type of kid that tried new things. I liked, you know, at that point in my life, I liked working with my hands. Um, you know, I, I liked the creative side of things, um, in terms of making and creation and, you know, and I was a pretty good student and I love sports. So probably not that dissimilar to a lot of other kids. Right. Um, you know, but again, I, you know, I, I had the, I had the privilege to learn some real great ethics and values growing up in a, you know, what I'd call a blue collar household. And, um, and those are values, you know, in terms of the value of hard work, the value of your word, the value of authenticity. Um, those things were things I learned at a young age and I, you know, and I kept through today. And as I grew a little bit older and had the chance to, you know, um, you know, I wound up going to a great college, Virginia Wesleyan University, um, had the chance to play basketball there and, Learned a whole bunch of new values in terms of the value of teamwork and team. Um, Were you a shooter? I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah, my yeah again, you know, five nine, hundred and sixty yeah. pounds. I was right. a point guard, and um, and certainly you know worked, spent hours on that craft in terms of learning how to shoot <laughs> jump shots, which don't have, doesn't have a lot of value these days. But right. um, you know, but certainly had a lot of fun with it, and um, you know, really learned the value of you know being a great teammate mm. and the values of situational leadership. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, you didn't have to be the strongest, fastest, um, best jumper, best shooter, but you could be an integral member of a team. And I think in today's business, you know, that's another value that I learned growing up. So, you know, I'd say I was the kind of kid who was curious, who, you know, who tried to learn in every experience I took on. 
I was, you know, really open to stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to college down in Virginia, pretty far away from home. Right. Um, and those are things that, you know, to this day, I still value, you know, in terms of how I approach business. Yeah, absolutely. And I do have to add as well. Um, I actually worked with the carpentry union uh, right. quite a few summers ago. So I, I, I kind of understand the, the blue collar cult- culture and everything. My father, you know, works at office installations and everything. Yeah. So I, I really understand and I get that, uh, the values and everything that, um, of just hard work and getting that dirt under your fingernails. Maybe tell us a little bit about, um, I know you, you kind of touched on the values that you learned, like work ethic and the, the value of your word, maybe like go a little bit more in depth on some of those values that you learned from a blue collar background. Sure. Um, you know, again, I, I'd say, when you grow up as a son of somebody who's building things, um, you wind up doing a lot of jobs for, you know, in that, in that genre. Right. So, you know, whether it was learning how to build a deck or roofing a house or shingling and, you know, <laughs> all the jobs that I think at that point, my dad would give me about two bucks an hour for, wow. um, I didn't negotiate very well at that age, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd say, you know, I did learn a lot from him and from that experience for sure. Um, you know, I'd say that, you know, he definitely taught me the value of hard work and the value of completion, you know, mm-hmm. seeing something through to the end, I love that. Um, the value of doing something better than you had to. So, you know, for, for him, if, um, you know, if we were roofing and doing a roofing project, he saw a very little value in a 20 year shingle when a 30 year shingle existed. Right. Why not use the best and build something that's built to last? So that's something that, you know, that idea of, of creation and making things that are built to last and putting the, you know, putting the very best materials, the very best products into something. That's something that stuck with me. The value of your word, you know, particularly, um, you know, the, what I grew up was in, it was an era long before fancy contracts. And yeah. so a lot of things were, you know, jobs done on, you know, jobs done on site, quotes done verbally. And, you know, some people, stuck to their words and stuck to their quotes and some didn't. And, you know, my dad was always someone who did and, um, you know, and taught me the value of, you know, living by your word, even when it might make you uncomfortable, you know, from if you were losing a little bit of money on a job, if you gave your word, you would do it for a certain amount. That was your word. And you had to do that and see it through. And I, you know, and I saw, I I learned a lot of value in that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it's definitely an interesting path coming from a blue collar, Cape, you know, small town in the Cape, everything. And how, how does someone like, again, from a small town from the Cape get to president of Hasbro North America? I mean, come on, man. It's, it's a pretty high role and, and, um, you need to have a lot of soft skills and a lot of leadership skills. So what, what got you there? Well, thank you, Nick. That's, you know, it's, I would say that it's definitely not a straight line (laughs) (laughs) and I definitely did not take a straight line. You know, um, for me, you know, when I look back on things, a lot of it was, um, at different points in my life, having great mentors, great support networks, um, at different points in my life, you know, meeting people who were positive role models that, you know, encouraged me to go after my passions um, you know, like I said, I was able to go to an amazing school, Virginia Wesleyan University, on scholarship, and that helped, you know, helped me in many profound ways. You know, um, being able to go to a college and not being straddled with tons and tons of student debt allowed me to, you know, go after my passions and explore a little bit more than maybe I would have been able to. And, um, you know, and then having the experience I was able to get at Boston College, which really taught me a lot of the, you know, professionalism 
that um, you need and the flexibility and the general business management skills that you need to succeed in the world today. The internships that I was able to to be a part of, you know, for great organizations, um, you know, all those things add up. And it's not like I said, it's not a straight line. It's really more of a cumulative journey. And, you know, that's why today when I get the chance to meet folks like you, I'm, I always encourage folks, you know, to embrace the journey to, you know, to be present wherever you are and learn as much as you can from those individual experiences. And if you can take one or two things away from every experience you, you know, you partake in and you're able to then add those things up and grow every time, it's amazing what happens, you know, 10 years later when you look back, you know, you, you, you always can, you always wind up accomplishing far more than you ever thought you were capable of. And, um, and I guess to answer your question directly, that's sort of how I feel today that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily set out with the goal as a kid of being president of, a, of, of an amazing company like Hasbro. But, you know, I, I did know that I wanted to follow my passions, that I wanted to make products that were meaningful, that I wanted to, you know, be in an industry like this where, um, you know, we could make play and entertainment experiences for children and their families that, that, that's meaningful. Those were things that, were, that I liked even back then. And now that I'm able to do it for, as a job, you know, that, that natural passion comes through. No question. And I have to mention this before because my mom will kill me if I don't mention this. Is, um, <laughs> she actually worked for a company that did uh, the photography for Mall Madness and the photography for Play-Doh. A lot of the boxes that you see back in probably the mid to early, maybe later 2000s was her studio that she worked at so i had to uh plug that in as that's well. amazing yeah, Nick. So, well shout out to your mom for yeah, sure yeah yeah thank you appreciate, <laughs> sure. appreciate i'm sure she'll appreciate that. yeah um uh, moving forward a little bit um as an operator um and and as the president of a company i'm really fascinated with the ability of someone to have the soft skills and leadership skills to put out fires because um, someone that I looked up to, and I think uh, Jillian uh, mentioned to you as well, is Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, um, big marketing guy, I'm sure, as, as you know. Um, and for you, uh, and he, what he talks about as being a CEO of a large organization is being able to put out fires. You're a firefighter. You're, it's all the time. You have certain situations. You have certain people. Uh, XYZ person said to XYZ person, XYZ, like it, it's, it's madness sometimes. How do you keep a clear head through all of the fire and able to stay grounded and, and really look at it from a realistic perspective? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I think Hasbro does a great job of, and, you know, I, I certainly learned from some of the best. We have an amazing executive team and I've had some amazing mentors at Hasbro. I think we, we have a, have a real, um, great foundation in terms of team building. And so to answer your question, you know, I think about it more as if you hire great teammates and you're, you know, you have people around you who you empower, who you give ownership, who you entrust with accountability, then they will, you know, help keep you safe and find new things to work on that can make your company great. And so for me, I think a little bit more of it versus being myself a good firefighter, I think it's about, you know, hiring really great talent, mm -hmm. creating a world-class culture. I think at Hasbro, you know, we have the hashtag best team ever. Right. <laughs> um, I believe that. I think we have the best, best group of individuals I've ever worked at are the people I work with right now um, at Hasbro. And, you know, I think that if you have the right culture where you can, like I said, create the right level of accountability and empowerment and ownership, people want to invest 
so much to make sure things turn out great. And, you know, to me, that's what it's all about is building great teams and empowering those teams to do amazing things. And um, you very rarely hit situations where they don't overachieve your expectations. Huh. And how do you um, how do you manage uh, the like, like you said, like, you know, typically people are exceeding expectations. But what if someone's not necessarily meeting the minimum requirements at all stages because like it's it's hard like to say like you should do what you like you should be doing but like like how do you um approach a situation like that yeah i think you know i think every company does it a little bit differently um and i've been involved at a few different companies in different situations but i'd say at a macro level you know you want to make sure that people are in places that they can feel good about what they're doing that they're bringing their whole self to work and that they feel like they can succeed on a day-to-day basis and if you can kind of set up that culture and that environment where people feel that way, then you're going to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, it do, if you do hit a place where I think, you know, you're, you're, people are feeling or an individual may not be get it doing their best or, you, you know, they're in the wrong type of role, I think, you know, that's where coaching comes in and partnership comes in and empathy comes in. And, you know, figuring out what processes exist to help that person, you know, either get better in the job they're in or find a better job for them that better fits their skill set. That's something that, you know, I think all companies and ours included always try to do. Right. And, um, and pivoting a little bit, um, as again, you're a marketer, um, you'll definitely resonate with this is that, um, the emerging, uh, markets of, of, for example, like you talked today about, um, about new apps and understanding new ways to reach new end consumers. Like for example, with TikTok, like that's a super big thing, which I'm sure that you probably Mm. know as Hasbro, I'm sure that you're uh, diving into at least a little bit. Um, How does Hasbro um, or how is Hasbro currently um, diving into these new market emerging markets and um, how is it staying relevant in that type of space? Sure. You know, I think, one of the cool things that um, I think Hasbro does a really great job of, again, is we're, a, we're both a play and entertainment company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a big piece of that is making sure that you're constantly staying relevant in the pop culture conversation. Right. And a piece of staying relevant in the pop culture conversation is understanding where the conversation is happening. Right. You know, so we have a terrific um, omni-channel marketing team in um, Hasbro North America. And, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is consumer insight work understanding where consumers are and what they're doing on these different platforms that exist today, and then trying to find unique and fun and creative ways to intersect what they're doing and where they're doing it with our cool brands. And, you know, that's something that, you know, you'll continue to see from us. So for example, you know, we just launched a great new product called Nerf Ultra. Mm -hmm. And one of the great big beats that we, you know, that we, um, that we did as we launched Nerf Ultra was we partnered with Julian Edelman from the New England Patriots, right. and he did a great, you know, Snapchat, excuse me, um, a great Instagram unboxing, and then he created a great YouTube video, um, you know, with himself and some of his um, friends on the Patriots in terms of experiencing the play of Nerf Ultra. So, you know, that's an example where we took a product in a really authentic and relevant way and partnered with somebody who was, you know, who had a who has a significant audience on Instagram and YouTube and, um, and created an experience that I think a lot of fans of both Nerf and Julian Edelman and the Patriots could enjoy. And, you know, that's something as an example um, in terms of how, how Hasbro tries to connect some of the dots that you mentioned. So 
Um, as a marketer, again, um, how do you balance the line of marketing to um, marketing directly to children versus marketing directly to parents? Because obviously the parents are the ones with the money and are going to be ultimately making the, de- the end decision. Um, how do you balance that line? Um, it's just an interesting thing for me to understand as building brands, um, where, how, where to target exactly. Yeah, I'd say it's something that we take very seriously and we take um, as a great responsibility, no question. Um, you know, I think when you think about families and, you know, for a company like Hasbro where we make products for children and their families, making great products is something we take. Um, you, know, a, you know, we take great, great care in our craft and um, with regards to the messaging that we create around our products, um, you know, we create great care in that craft and we spend a lot of time, you know, th- there's a lot of... Um, good, solid, well, um, well-run organizations in the toy and game industry that help, um, you know, protect children. And we make sure that we, um, you know, we help lead the way and help make sure that we, you know, are responsible and hit all the different standards to make sure that we're doing the right thing in the right way. And, um, and that's something that we'll always continue to do. It's really important to us. Um, and also, like it, you, I, you mentioned today, that that Transformers now has eight thousand uh, individual characters, which is remarkable. To, I had no idea about that. That's incredible. Um, but when you have a brand that's so strong like that, um, where does um, the line come? Where it's like you're expanding the universe and everything, but you you become almost like a DC type of situation where it kind of gets like, okay, like we made the whole universe blow up and everything ceases to exist. And then something happens where it's like, it all comes back. Like, where does that line come creatively where it's like, okay, this is kind of getting overplayed here versus like, you know, and I don't want to say overplayed, but I mean, it, it's it, when you, there comes a line and, and I'd like to ask you a little bit about where that line is for brands like Transformers and other brands under Has- the Hasbro name. Yeah, well, Transformers is one of our, you know, one of our biggest brands and we're obviously incredibly proud of, um, of that success. We have some of the best storytellers in the world. So I think that, you know, to answer your question, I think empowering some of the best storytellers in the world to tell stories that are relevant and that resonate is, the, is one of the keys to Transformers success. And, you know, understanding who the audience is of those different stories, whether it's, you know, our Transformer Rescue Bots brand, which typically tells um, very value-based stories to our youngest audience, or, you know, our, um, you know our, our Transformers Robots in Disguise animation, where, you know, we're telling stories to slightly older boys and girls, or our movies, which typically have much more broad audiences. You know, we make sure that we work with the best storytellers in the world and tell meaningful, relevant stories. And I think, you know, we stay out of some of the some of the pitfalls of trying to, you know, overexpose the brand or, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, I think I think Transformers continues to stay relevant because we understand our fan base and our audience and we try to make stories that are relevant with the best storytellers in the world. In your life, how has adversity and hardship shaped you to the person that you are today? Excellent question. You know, I think adversity has so many different levels, whether it's, you know, um, loss, you know, in terms of, um, you know, losing people who are close to you. And that certainly, you know, shaped me to some extent because I had, you know, like all of us, you know, we have relatives who played an important role in your life who are no longer with us. And, you know, I'd say 
adversity at that level. You know, I, I've learned some incredible values from folks like uh, my grandmother who's passed away, um, who, you know, who immigrated from Paris and, um, you know, settled here close to, close to actually Nichols College um, in Leicester, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, and taught me a lot about the value of, um, of European culture and, you know, um, the French history and, and language. So I learned a lot from her and, you know, I'll never forget her. She's a very important uh, and pivotal person in my life who I actually went up living with later in my life, you know, she advanced in age. Um, there's adversity from, you know, uh, an athletic standpoint, you know, as a, as, as a, um, you know, as a college basketball player, I learned, you know, I wasn't always going to be the best athlete, didn't always, um, you know, wasn't always to achieve the different goals that I set for myself. And, you know, you learn from that, the value of um, resilience, right? And the value of working hard and doing the very best you can. And that sometimes, you know, you might get beat, but you, you know, you know, you learn the value of picking yourself up again and working really hard. And, um, and other, you know, and, and the value of team and the value of counting on other people. So I think, you know, adversity helps with that. And certainly there's adversity in business, you know, not everything always works out just how you planned. And I think from a business standpoint, you know, adversity always makes you better as long as you listen and you look and you learn and, you know, you make that part of your everyday habits, you know, so that when things don't work out, you learn from them and you make sure that you're better next time. And, you know, you listen so that if something didn't work out, you know, people can give you feedback so that either you personally can get better or your team can get better or your business can get better, you know, and I think that constant intellectual curiosity and that passion to learn and be willing to change from that learning um, is, is an incredible lesson that often adversity teaches you. Um, so, you know, I think those are three different ways that you can kind of learn from different types of adversity that certainly I've had. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure many of your listeners will have as they, you know, as they advance through the journey as well. Absolutely. Eric, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, sure. This is, this is your time now to plug anything that you want, anything that's going on in Hasbro, in your world. Take it away. <laughs> well, listen, all I want to say is thanks for having me here at Nichols College today. It's a real privilege to be able to talk about Hasbro and, you know, to talk about, um, you know, future leadership for folks like you who want to, you know, who are the, the next generation up in terms of the great leaders that we're going to see change things and, you know, for our country. So keep at it and best of luck. Eric, thank you very much. And this is the People Who Make Things Happen podcast. See you next time. All right. Thanks very much.